Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. podcast coven we are back for another episode of turns out she's a witch and joining us today is a very special guest who we are delighted to have back on the podcast she's the author of many best-selling books on modern witchcraft not only that but a pilot professional fire dancer world record holding skydiver a free diving surf witch and rock star goddess (laughs) Previously the frontwoman of Aussie rock band Def FX, she's now part of the high energy band Sea Witch, who we're going to talk about today. Welcome back to the podcast, Fiona Horn. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to speak with you again. It's such yeah. a treat. Very flattered. <laughs> oh, as are we, you came back. <laughs> So we're very excited to chat with you today about Sea Witch's brand new album, Well of Spells, that was just released a few days ago on the 21st of October. A huge congratulations. Thank you. And I love the name. Can you tell us what inspired this album? Well, um, Sea Witch is, I guess, well, the album's called Well of Spells and um, that is because every song on the album is a spell, um, lyrically. And even energetic, I'd, I'd even offer, especially because we're probably talking to a bunch of real witches right now. Um, and that's what music is really, isn't it? It's like a, it's something that transforms us. I mean, what ritual have we all done that we haven't employed some kind of music or rhythmic element, you know, even if it's just the rhythm of our breath, you know, like rhythm, music, sound, mantra, spoken word, you know, all of that is um, part of our spellcasting and ritual work in most instances so when you write music and write songs um and and when you make an intentional sort of uh effort to use create the lyrics from spells and and ritual work that you've done and records of your magical practice then um it can't help but be that the songs end up being a bit a bit magical (laughs) um the band itself sea witch well um that wasn't my idea my partner david who 
sort of coerced me to come back over to Australia, which we talked about last time. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, it's a love story that's spanned 32 years now instead of 30 because um, I've been here a couple of years back in Australia. But um, he had an idea to start a band called Sea Witch. And, you know, he said, and, you know, why don't you use your spells and your ritual, you know, work to uh, turn it into the lyrics and, and we'll write the music together, create it together. And, um, and that's how, and he said, and we'll call it Sea Witch because uh, at the time he was looking at me living over on a, a Caribbean island and I was also sailing on boats as well as flying airplanes, doing a bunch of things. So <laughs> seemed, seemed uh, I guess it, it sprung to his mind and then we, we adopted it for the band. Oh, it's an awesome Sorry. name. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're all semi-witches in the band, I suppose. Musical witch. <laughs> well, the, the boys, like it's it's me and it's um Dave. So I, I sing and play guitar and I haven't played guitar for 30 years since, you know, I was in my old punk group, The Mothers, that was an all-girl punk group I started in the late 80s. And, wow. And, and in Deaf Effects, when we had our time in the 90s, I didn't play guitar. So um, I... To pick up a guitar again and play again is something that's amazing and fun and, and magical in of itself. Um, David's the lead guitarist and does some backing vocals. Brad's our bass player, Brad Miller. He's amazing. And um, then we have Adam, our new drummer, drummer number nine. So <laughs> we're thinking this is the lucky one that's going to stick around. <laughs> a few drummers. We call them dramas, not drummers. <laughs> But um, stuff happens in life. We're just really lucky that we've got a group of four of us now that we have a wonderful chemistry and we've started to do some live shows in the, um, as, as this lineup, and it's been really, really fun. And um, I think also at this point in life to have the opportunity to stand on stage and perform again um, is like musically. I mean, I have sort of been in a, a public sort of environment where I've, you know, had anywhere from a few people to hundreds of people and I've been talking about witchcraft or doing public ritual work. But to actually be back on stage in a rock band uh, is a phenomenal uh, privilege, I think, that that it's mm. actually going well enough that that sort of momentum is showing up. And, you know, and as we witches would know, and I've always written this in my books, you know, uh, the persi- persistence often is is key, but when you really feel like you, you're pushing the proverbial shit through the eye of a needle, it's time- <laughs> off and accept that maybe you should change your spell and not go after that outcome or maybe you should just change your direction entirely if there's not a flow you know you don't mm. really indicated flow and my point is with this band even though we've had this kind of lineup change issue with drummers um there's been so much flow and uh and joy and uh that's where I just think gosh you know I'm obviously meant to be doing this because sometimes I thought about should I go back to America now and should I fly airplanes again and should I get on with that life that I worked so hard to create and yet it's no it's like this momentum around the band is really uh exciting and the fact that we can take it on stage and other people are enjoying it like we're, we're getting some really great audiences now and starting to the room starting to fill up and we're starting to get a vibe and then um people are saying they love the music there's so many great bands out there and, and certainly many new bands that haven't had their time uh, like I've got to enjoy in as when music was a career for me. But I think what's different about us is it's not a career. It's, uh, it's just something we all feel really lucky and happy to be doing 
and um, we also have really sick merch. I'm going to give you the scoop. Look, Ooh. just drive. Oh, yay. I love that. Um, as we were, like, just before to talk, I hope you can see that. That's the well Yeah, spell. love it. But in yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. The and we we'll have to post photos, but oh, wow. Fiona is showing us a beautiful black tote and beautiful black singlet with the Sea Witch album cover for Well of so Spells. Cool. Yeah. Album cover. Beautiful. How cool is that? And we that's amazing. Have, you can fix your 12-inch vinyl in here. and Of you course can, you can. <laughs> and we've got badges and stickers and so much fun stuff I'm like, I'm really in a rock band now because we've got merch. Yeah, <laughs> it's the real deal. <laughs> That's so cool. So speaking of your album, we were lucky enough to get access to your album prior to its release. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you did say in your email to us that a lot of your witchy friends love the track, track Espat, which I also loved. Can you share with us how Queen of the Sky, Goddess of Selene, became part of the lyrics? Wow. Well, Espat is um, obviously the word Espat. We know what that means. You know, it's, it's a, a moon-related ritual, and generally you would have it on a full moon. But I always, when I think of Espats, they sort of span any moon-related ritual. Just as, as that word's come to me, you know, something to me in my practice. Um, but I, uh, with that song, like so many of the songs, they're kind of sort of love songs or, or dealing with them. And, and it's not just love. For another, it's love for self and love for life. Um, but but this particular one is actually a love spell. And, you know, the verse lyric, as I sing it, is silver candle lit, jasmine night incense, a bower of wild rose, ribbon strand shall grow. So, I mean, it's it's actually a witch who's lit a silver candle. Um, she's uh, under a bower of white roses. Like that's kind of the visual. Um the ribbon strand shall grow is like she's she's doing cord magic with ribbon. Um, so it's kind of like she's weaving something together. And then it goes on, in your light, which is the moonlight, bows, which is the ma- magic, velvet wraps the sea. Well, she's doing the spell at night. The, the, she's by the ocean. The, uh, the, the ocean looks like it's covered in black velvet because, you know, it's, mm. you know, and then um, a knife, and this is maybe in these days anyway, a, a semi-provocative uh, line, but a knife to cut and bleed, Queen of the Sky, Celine. So she's making a blood offering. So she's mm-hmm. cut herself to make a blood offering. And uh, Queen of the Sky, Celine, well, there she is. That you know, she's appealing to the divine, the divine goddess, Celine, mm-hmm. goddess. So, and then one is love, two is true, three, four, power. She's tying knots in the cord magic. So, mm. you know, it's uh, by the time the song works its way through the three verses, she that first line, a knife to cut and bleed, she's made a blood offering. A knife to cut and free is the line at mm. the end of the And then the third verse is a knife that knows no need. So then the knife is no longer necessary, the, the spell has worked, the the uh, and it's also a it's also talking about how um, maybe in magic now when we use things like knives and stuff in a in a culture of where we want to be really respectful and aware of self harm and 
especially for vulnerable younger people who don't have the life experience to maybe consider other ways of um, dealing with uh, challenged senses of self. Um, that last line is to sort of say actually, you know, that can be, it doesn't have to be part of the, the ceremony. But it also means you've yourself from that pain and that idea of having to sacrifice because you're full of love by then. The maiden has, or the Selene, the goddess has, has, has come down. You've literally done like that drawing down ceremony. Silver candles, jasmine night incense, a bower of wild rose, ribbons stretch out.
So, I mean, I don't often get to talk about lyrics with other witches to this degree. <laughs> when I wrote them, like, I mean, if I sat down and went over the lyrics with other witches, we could just dive into them. And oh, just definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, but I love singing it. You know, I love uh, when I sing that song in particular. It's a heavy song. I mean, it's, um, well, the chorus is, you know, uh, the, the verses are quite magical sounding with the effects and everything. Um, but I think about everything as I'm singing it, um, especially now we have this great drum. I can really just let the band lock in and I can really lose myself in and even when I'm playing guitar and singing, you know, I can lose myself in the lyrical aspect of it as well and what, what it all really feels and means to me as a witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That show just really recently was our new drummer's first show and I just noticed, like, oh, my gosh, I'm really set free in this performance space now. I don't have to worry about what's going on behind me because we've got, finally got the really great, tight, strong lineup. you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, again, it's just uh, it, it feels... Like you can feel, you just know when there's other people in the audience to get what you're, where you're coming from certain things. And then collectively that's a shift, mm. which is, you know, I, I think any any person, whether it's performing music as an art form or painting or, or anything, it's you when you feel that it's affected someone else and created some kind of change in their life, it's a shift, then you get that sense of exchange and that's really why you do it. It's, I think especially for me now, maybe when I was younger I was in bands because I felt like I had something to prove and I had to make myself be cool enough so that people would like me or whatever. <laughs> um, now it's just so different. It's like this privilege of, of almost like service, you know, where you, you're offering something and then when it's received it's a sense of, you, it's, you know, you've given it like a gift. So you feel... Mm. Um, very, it never drains you. That's my point. It just keeps it's mm. like so. I don't walk off stage. I don't lose my voice. I don't walk off stage feeling exhausted. Um, even though the shows are like mega high energy, you mentioned it. Start with, <laughs> and that's the interesting thing too. Being like, um, you know, not being. I mean, I'm 56 this year, or I think I don't know. I lose track. I'm 56. <laughs> I am because five and six is 11. It's 11 year. That's right. It's an 11 year for me. So um, the the fact that it just feels so like timeless mm. makes you realize you you're making magic as well. Because don't, don't we always say magic? Yeah. Is, even though we'll create a sacred space, and I, I remember writing the first book with as little as I knew back, thought I knew in thirty years ago with my first <laughs> book. Ten books later, but um, I've always said like when you create the sacred space, it's set outside of, of this linear time construct. Mm. Um, and that's why when I was first writing, oh, and there weren't many books written about the Southern Hemisphere way of doing things and, and there was a lot of confusion about, well, you know, where do we put the fire element? Is it in the north? Is it in the south? Yeah. It, you know? And I would just say, don't worry about it, just put it somewhere because aren't we creating this sacred space outside of time and linear We're in the infinite, eternal, present moment? Love it. Um, so, yeah, so... That feel it feels like that on stage too. It feels like that as a fifty-six-year-old person jumping around, screaming her head off, and feeling great. <laughs> wow, your voice is stronger now than it was, you know, twenty years ago. And I think as it comes I love from that, you know, it just comes through, not from, you know. Mm. Mm, good point. 
And I think one of my favourite tracks is Witches Forever. It's such deep lyrics and you can tell, can you tell us about the second verse where you say, dressed in holy flames, the rope now spells my name? Yeah, I get goosebumps with that. That's When I sing that, I always feel like I'm tearing up on stage because that lyric, it's, it is the second verse, you know, and yet I'd say that um, that verse is one of my favourite. Like it, it came to me in such a powerful vision I was struggling with writing the lyrics for this song. I'd, I'd had some different lyrics. I didn't really like them. Just a bit, they felt a bit throwaway, like kind of rushing, whack something down so we could, you know. And before we recorded the song, I thought I really need to rewrite this. I need to put some thought, more thought into this. And um, it's funny. I was sitting in a hotel room because we were, we were recording the album, and uh, I had a vision of. Every and it was specifically female. It was every woman that had been burned at the stake or hung as a wit or shamed as a bitch. Like, you know, I don't have to go into the great detail that we all know what we're talking about. Mm. And it was specifically a woman. Now I feel like I've got to I've got to justify that and explain that now as we kind of embrace these non-binary approaches to living and identity and, and everything. But this is women. It was specifically the feminine, um, biological feminine, archetypal feminine. And I saw in my vision that she wasn't burning at the stake. She rest in flame, holy flame. And the rope, and then I had this other vision that the rope had been taken from her neck and it was like she'd swung it like a lasso. And it, it, like, spelled her name out, you know, mm. and the name, it was, I, I don't, it wasn't my name, it was someone else's name. And I can't even remember what it was. I just knew that it was, it, the rope went through the air and it was like like cursive writing, it spelled out a name, her name. And she was, she was standing, she was naked, dressed in holy flame, and the rope is spelling her name, and standing in the wind and rain, I feel no shame. And she was standing there and there was the crowd and, and she felt no shame. And, and then the next line is, my soul is born again. And I just saw her leave her body and, like, and to return and be a witch again now mm. when we can. So without that fear, fear of that vilification for our modern witchcraft. Of course, that word is debased, misused, and there's children in African countries being called witches, which is beyond this conversation and, you know, but from our perspective of what the word means for us and how we are now able to practice our craft without fearing that kind of vilification and persecution. It was just that's what that second verse means um, and uh, it was a really powerful vision. Mm. So when I, you know, mm. yeah, I always kind of tears in my eyes in that, in that verse. I wonder um, what you've tapped into there with that vision, if it was past life or if it was, yeah, you wonder, don't you, how it's how it came to you? I just know it wasn't like it was a vision that was so strong and I saw it like a movie playing out in front of my eyes as much as I'm holding a pen and looking at a piece of paper at a table in a hotel room. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just that song as well, the title of it, which is Forever, is actually from a, a poem that I 
that's in art of which there's a just sort of like a poem and some of those words are from that poem about what it is that we are, you know, that it, and it's like the first lyrics of the song. It's, it's kind of unusual, which is forever came to learn what we thought could heal, you know, uh, no longer shall we burn, we are what is needed right now. Oh, that's the first verse. So what we thought could heal, it's like the, that idea of it's not only the, the the people that live close to the earth and the herbalists, the healers, the, the midwives, where we knew we and even like way, way, way even before any kind of Western civilization, even when we were just not just it, but running around um, picking things to eat for dinner, you know, like as priests or whatever. <laughs> We knew that we had this intimate relationship with this this extraordinary planet and we were born of it and it of us, like we, you know, and the magic. And then, but it was the thinking, it was the perception of, well, this is, there's this other, this fifth element, the spirit element that modern witches we feel is how we tie it all together and make our magic, you know. So um, that's what the song's about too. And then and then it's the, it's the lineage, you know, the, which is forever, like will never go away. It's just, mm. you know, and if the human form becomes a, you know, something that is no longer, that is obsolete as far as the, the cycle of life here on the planet, um, well, energy doesn't care. I'd be curious to see what witches come back as. Rich.
and the way that you've described that vision was such a um, strengthening and empowering view on something that was so tragic you know it's really just such a strong vision that you've so perfectly explained thank you yeah sorry I just talked over you then I just realized it's like came through like we can allow ourselves to heal um and 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 know that that's you know that that we've been uh that we're stronger for it yeah because of the sacrifices made by those who Mm. yeah experience what they did so there were many now I have no 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 you go keep going (laughs) well it would be it'd kind of also be like well then at times where you feel like you're all caught up in your own ego like from a witch's perspective oh I mean it's very simplistic but doing certain spells and things aren't getting better or I'm trying to live this conscious life and I still feel like I'm just in a, a mess and um then maybe, you know, or, or things aren't the way I like them to be in my life or I, I don't even know if anything's worth it anymore because, it, you know, does magic really work or does this really mean anything or, you know, or, or you might even just get bored and, and think oh, and not even try. You know, like some people like, I think have read my books on and off over the last you know, mm. decades would say, oh, there's periods where they've stepped away from the craft and then maybe something's brought them back in or they might to talk god i feel like i want to really get back into it again you know but my point is that um the the uh when you're getting caught up in all that egoic stuff you could just remember that like the sacrifices that were made and then you can just think oh well i can just be grateful for that and the fact i even identify with it and that i can and um and i don't have to be a perfectionist and everything does everything right now um, and I could just maybe live for a moment in gratitude for that sacri- those sacrifices, and then you plugged back in again, plugged mm. back in, plugged back into the cycle of it. Mm. I thought, yeah, it's so humbling to think that way. Oh, beautiful. Um, now I have to ask another song, <laughs> another story. I have to ask about the song "Memento Mori." It is a smooth and eerie track and apparently there is a real freaky ghost voice that appears at the end of the recording. Can you tell us about this and also what Memento Mori means for our listeners at home? Well, I love that you picked up that track because that track's like a, it's an odd one. It was, um, the boys were all jamming in the studio one day and uh, I walked in and heard them playing all this different music and I started to get this idea I couldn't think of what, like it's, it's not really a song per se, it's more of a journey of music. And I remembered that I'd written a screenplay called <laughs> when I was living in Los Angeles and uh, sort of plugged into that industry there a bit and I wrote a screenplay. It was a horror film. Um, but Memento Mori was uh, a, um, well, basically what Memento Mori's are and what what I what I thought of in this, in this particular film was, um, they are the silver daguerreotype photos that were taken in the late, particularly um, where, where people would take photos of their dead as if they were still alive. So they'd sort of dress them up, sit them on a couch, even have memory, living members of the family with them, mm-hmm. take the photos that they'd always be remembered as how they were before, before they 
died. Or did, did, sorry, not died. They'd already, they'd already, the spirit had left the body, but before the body disintegrated. Wow. And, and I used to collect these back when I was living in America. Um, there were some stores that had them, and I was always fascinated by them, and I'd collect them. And so the screenplay sort of talks a bit about some stuff that goes on with that. But the song, I ended up pulling some of the, uh, I turned, I created the lyrics from some of the uh, things that were said by different characters. And it's about uh, it's it's there's there's a line in it. I'll say this: there's a line in it that's drink, my dear, for release from pain and the gift of blessed visions, a doorway to heaven or a doorway to hell. It doesn't matter. So that's a line in the song. Now, someone might think that's drinking alcohol, and it's it's not. Oh, I'm being sober ten years, probably in a couple of days after we've actually chatted because I know this will be airing a little after we chat wow. um, in years. So um, it's not about drinking that line. It's actually about alcohol. It's about drinking laudanum, you know, laudanum, the, uh, oh. the back then for sleep and for, you know, the little death being sleep. But it would also give you visions and things. So that's what that line's about. And uh, the girl in the film starts drinking laudanum <laughs> and various things go on. Anyway, <laughs> fascinating. Uh, um, and when when uh, it was being our producer, like lived in this where we where we did the album, he converted his house into this really great studio, full of old everything. And there's a sound of chains, and he's literally dragging the chains up and down the stairs and recording it. In that, yeah, there's some weird voices in there that we don't know where they came from. So, wow. Who, it is a song about the role that death plays in life and how when the veils are thin, you know, um, that, you know, you can move between the realms, mm. um, you know, the living and the dead, so to speak, and that's uh, kind of the song addresses some of that. Mm. So it's no wonder you had a couple of ghost voices in there then. <laughs> I mean, it's not surprising, is it? We don't know what it is. It just came yeah. through. Wow. <laughs> we'll have to get Tracy on it, our resident psychic medium, who you spoke to the best time you were here. Yes, it would be interesting to hear what she, she would have to say about it. Mm. Absolutely. It would. <laughs> we'll have to do a follow-up. <laughs>
fascinated by the process of how music and art is created. And do you feel the music comes from a muse, so to speak, such as a creative force that is looking for someone to channel through and to bring it to life? Hmm. Sometimes it feels, well, look, we talked about which is forever and how I had this vision and how it wasn't me. Mm. You know, was that a force coming through? Because I was so stuck writing those lyrics that someone went, oh, I'm going to get get out. I'm going <laughs> to come through and give her an idea and it's going to be about the sacrifices we made. Um, but I think when, because writing songs, especially, you know, because a lot of the music for the album and the lyrics, David and I wrote them together um, from nothing, from scratch, you know, like just literally like, riffing out on guitars, riffing out on lyric ideas and getting like, you know, all these notes and kind of starting to put it together and, you know. Um, so I think I think there's definitely something that comes from the chemistry of David and I because this music is unlike anything I've ever written or performed before and the same with him. So then we would say, okay, it's obviously the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Of, and if you like the songs and you think they're well enough written that they qualify as, as good songs, then there's definitely a chemistry between him and I. Um, when when I am worried that I'm going to be stuck or I can't come up with something, that is when I, from a witch's perspective, that is when I um, will ask for something to come through like and trust that it will. And I don't need mm-hmm. to know what how it is. I just trust that it will. And I don't need to have a, you know, even a description. I don't even say I trust that somehow I will be able to write this song so that it doesn't suck and we can record it. Um, <laughs> it just you trust that somehow it'll work out. Mm. And then uh, what I found with Sea Witch is that I've been pleasantly surprised, especially when I have a break from listening to the music or even jamming with it or performing it, and then I hear it and I go, oh, God, this is actually this is the band that I would like if I heard it. I would actually like it. And with Death Effects back in the day, I was, you know, it was an amazing thing to be in that band, but I think it wasn't, it wouldn't have made me, if I heard it come on the radio, if I wasn't in the band, it wouldn't have made me jump out. Oh, I really love that. It was, that was very much a job career kind of band. Mm-hmm. This band, a band that comes, see which comes from the heart. So um, I would encourage others who are writing music to, uh, if they're getting caught up in being attached to the outcome, to just, Maybe, as I've often said, get out of your own way and let something come through you. Don't feel like it all from you. Mm. If that answers that. <laughs> it does. No, thank you. That's perfectly, perfectly summed up. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially that last bit, let it come through you because mm. that's exactly what it is, like not needing the answers but just allowing the process to unfold and take it where it needs to go. Yeah. That's like when I feel like um, when you are in a band or when you've written a song or even a book, it's it's like giving birth. To me, it feels like mm. that. I had like children and, and raised a family per se, but I feel like I've given birth to many books, many songs, um, different musical uh, projects, I guess. And um, when it comes from that sincere connection with the creative cauldron, whatever, of life, I guess, mm. um, and that it's you do feel like you've given birth to something. So there's a sense of, um, you know, you've got to, it's like that saying, children don't come from you, they come through you. 
mm-hmm. you know. And I always say that I did a reading uh, um, for a lovely uh, for a person yesterday, and uh, she hadn't well, she hadn't had a, a reading like using tarot. You know, I was doing tarot reading, and but also the readings I do aren't just tarot cards. It's like a lot of other sort of stuff that comes mm-hmm. through. And I, you know, um, I a lot of this doesn't come from me it comes through me so sometimes I might go blah, 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 say a whole lot of stuff and not even remember what I said mm. and you know and that always happens when I do the readings and I think that there's a similar process of where that similar thing kind of happens when I'm writing or when I'm um you know make, writing books or making music I mean at time of doing this chat with you girls I uh just just a week ago sent off my teen spirit oracle that I'd been working on last year when I had my finger bitten off which put it slowed down that but I just had the one year anniversary of this happening and the the oracle deck went off just a few days before the anniversary of this so I was so glad Mm. I got around again it's that process of like I was thinking how do I there's so much going on where how do I find the space to write an oracle deck now that only my second one and it's a different writing process I feel than the books, and because um, you're trying to create something that's going to be a, a psychic tool to a degree, mm. so all different thing that comes on, and you're working with art that's been created by someone else, and you're trying to like find a way for it to weave itself into something. And again, it's just that thing you've got to get out of your own way and just trust that it's going to come through. Often, when you don't mm. expect in the timeline, you know, you might sit down to write between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Well, and it doesn't happen then. It's you getting out of bed at 2 in the morning going, I've got it. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> So, again, the creative process is um, I think when you start to feel like it has to come from you it, it, you, it starts to come from a finite source. So you should always kind of try and get out of the way and let it come through you. Mm, very true and we have had a quite a few um artists and authors on the podcast that also resonate with what you're saying about the giving birth process that you know an idea sparks and that's like the gestation and then you know it grows and then it literally it is giving birth to a creation of, of an end result and then usually there's that incubation period afterwards where you're recovering <laughs> from the birth as well <laughs> Yeah, and thinking about energy, world, you know, like that sort of, you know, because there's that sense of connection and attachment, and also allowing it to live its own life. Yeah, Ooh. very true. Very true. Oh, so important. Gosh, it's very insightful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I noticed Sea Witch is hosting a Halloween rock and roll ball on the 31st of October at the Tote Hotel in Melbourne for any of our Victorian listeners. This sounds like fun. Are there still tickets available? There are a few tickets available still um, as at the time of, of we're talking. And I think, I'd, you know, it'd be great if it sold out well ahead of the night. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's getting pretty close, though. There's quite a lot of tickets sold. So, um, But it is a really great night and it is the commercial celebration of Halloween. So yeah. it's Monday 1st. And the next day in Victoria is a public holiday, that Tuesday, the 1st of November. So um, you can come out, stay out late. It's all good. Um, I'm personally really excited because not only are we launching the album um, outside of the state of Western Australia, which is where we've been. It's the first time we're taking the band outside of of WA. Um, But also uh, we have our friends Hoss, who are a really great rock band from the same era that, you know, 
Helm and Def Effects that our old bands are from. And we have this really amazing newer band called Electric Purse, which is uh, three amazing girls and the token male drummer. Um, <laughs> they're so cool. Their music's like just really, they call themselves, um, they say, four unmuted feline pests. You know, Grudge <laughs> <laughs> Punk is so great. They're so fun. And then DJ Jane Gazzo, who's an amazing, I call her a, a music uh, high priestess because, you know, she was, she's been involved um, in, I've known her since she was like music reporter on recovery on the ABC a million years ago. And, um, and now, you know, she's, uh, she's just a really important presence in the Australian music industry and she's DJing on mm. the night. Wow. Too. And then we're going to have like a witchy wares market where all our cool witch oh. and I just think it's going to be a really, really fun night. And also, you know, real witches, as we know, we know it's commercial Halloween. We know that this down in the southern hemisphere, it's more like Beltane, really. Yeah. Germany, <laughs> but isn't it really like a bridge now? Because um, the world's so interconnected and so entwined. So I think that I can be kind of connecting with the Beltane energy of 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 fire, performance, fertility, abundance at the same time as bridging with the, the, the idea of Samhain and winter and Festival of the Dead and honouring the dead so that the Halloween commercial aspect of it being that blatant um, constant reminder of, of the role that death plays in life, even though as a commercialised thing it, it becomes more, um, you know, objectified. But I can still see it in its full way as a modern witch. So I love that we're giving birth to our album um on the you know what kind of is a witch's new year it's the celtic new year you know halloween so sour sour you know 30 years. yeah so, so yeah it's just all, all it all lines up and this is the thing is modern witches living in an age where you know the world we do use the digital mediums of, of communication we are you know the album comes out internationally on the 21st and we launch it internationally even though we're physically in the space of victoria that weekend you know so it's like I think it's all it's all again about perception and um and how you let it resonate within you. So, mm. so I'm gonna and have a great time in the commercial aspect of Halloween while still resonating with the you know what it means to me as a real witch, you know. Absolutely. You can do it all and you can be it all. I think in these days, um, as long as that feels like authentic and mm-hmm. um and something that you would want to explore in that way pertaining to witchcraft and magic and it doesn't um pressure you into feeling like you have to know everything and understand everything or or Mm. or, you know there doesn't have to be a defensiveness certain certain aspects of everything is a commercial Mm. these days everything so um just it's if you can kind of look at it all like that's that's the space that you're in and the time space kind of continuum that you're manifesting in right now, then try to have fun with it. And um, I always sort of think like it's uh, it, the darker times in life, obviously the, the, the darker emotions, the shadow work is so um, an important part of our path as well. Mm. I also think that just... Uh, being out and loud and proud and having fun with it is as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
And Fiona, on the subject of Halloween, this this episode is just before. Do you have a spooky ghost story to share with us? Oh, um, we'll see. Spooky is, you know, sometimes as witches we would go, oh, it's not spooky, it's awesome, I find True. it. <laughs> I can't deny it. It's real. Um, so what would be spooky? You know, this is going to be really, sound really odd. <laughs> we love odd. Okay. And it wasn't because, because we've been talking about the commercial aspect of Halloween and, and that would lean into horror and, you know, and, and death and the idea of, around death of human decay or whatever is being horrific. Um, this is going to sound so weird, but I thought for a second I was in a horror film last weekend because there was a, and it wasn't like a, it was, there was a person sitting down, a lady, and she turned around and looked at me and I was talking to another girl, turned around and looked at me and her eyes were like, the way she looked at me, her eyes were like pivoting in her her, um, eye socket. Like, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I did talk to her, and I realised that she just had these eyes that move around a lot, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the way she turned around, it was like her head twisted right around. I was like this at me. And I was like, I thought for a minute I would just teleported into the exorcist or something. <laughs> oh, Because <my> <laughs> I was talking to a girlfriend about, like, magic Halloween, blah, 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 and then this person just turned around and did that. Now, I don't even know if that's a good story. But that's <laughs> actually got scared because my friend I was talking to said are you all right she said that I went white oh gosh and what happened and I said oh I just think something really weird and, <laughs> and, and I didn't want to look at the person then it's just so crazy and then in the end that's last time I was scared if I'm, and I mean my my new favorite thing is binoculars and looking at the stars with binoculars I'm feeling like I might if I ever stepped away from the, the mystical aspect of witchcraft, I would just get into astronomy mm. and not look as, you know, for guidance or, or the moon for a ritual and drawing down the moon, whatever. I would just basically have my binoculars and be looking at the craters and the, you know, sea of tranquility on the moon and all that kind of stuff. Beautiful. But I never, you know, when I'm wandering around at night looking at things, I never feel um, scared ever. Mm. And wouldn't that traditionally be where you'd feel like the bowels mm. or perception of things is more open to something archetypally spooky? Mm, very true. Like waffling on. <laughs> Not at all. But <laughs> last time I felt scared, it was this strange moment. And then it made me think, well, what, is, what does all this mean? Like, you know, why, what, why do we find things intrinsically scary? Because mm. as witches... Death isn't scary. No, true. You know, really, like if we if we're talking on well, me personally with all my practice all the years, I mean, there's been a couple of times where I've been in a space where there's been a I've sensed a malevolent kind of spiritual spirit energy, and I've that, but I haven't for a really long time. Mm. And then I'm always able to sort of talk to it and stop it, you know. So. Um, and that reminds me of when I did speak to someone once, I was lucky to host a television show with him over in America 
That was Peter James. He's a, a medium and a, um, just was always interacting with spirits, ghosts. And, I mean, he had TV shows about it and he was mm. passed over now himself. Um, but uh, he was said to me, oh, just talk to to the spirits, the ghosts, just speak to them, like, um, because that's because mm. they were human once, so speak to them. Mm. Um, mm. Kind of be able to sort out what's going on, especially if it's something unpleasant. So I don't know. Yep. Tracy that's- says the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just have that conversation and then, and don't feed it. Don't feed the energy of yeah. Like mm. mm, Don't feed the fear. Mm. Sometimes it's easier said than done. But yeah, true. To, <laughs> but to remember, to remember that you're capable. I was scared. I mean, standing like at the gig at the venue where I was about to go on stage and having a heart attack because the way someone looked at me, the angle. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so bloody yeah. odd. Yeah, and it does sound I, it. I so met her later. I like she came up and I hope she's not watching. If you are, <laughs> you know, went, but they would probably know they just had the most extraordinary eyes. It's like they just moved around. Yeah, be, wow. Can't even do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun watching you try. <laughs> funny is it when you do think about what spooks you like I know in the past I have had experiences with spirit and like it hasn't been anything terrifying I think it's just been more the unexpected like I haven't expected like I've had a tap on the shoulder before like a very very firm tap on the shoulder when I was home alone and like that's nothing if a human came up like a living human came up and did that you wouldn't even think twice but I think because it was a, a spirit I absolutely shit myself and like <laughs> ran out of the house and yeah when I think about like and I've heard voices and things and yeah it's been nothing scary really it's just been like hello like things like that and you're like why did you I face like were you prepped for it or were you just making a cup of tea and felt that yeah you- no I was just yeah like just doing my thing and felt it so I think yeah I guess it did encroach on my personal space yeah, that can definitely, you know, that would definitely feel, I mean, that would be sort of, it would make you jump. And if you were aware that's what it was and you weren't second guessing it. I mean, the most tangible times I've had, like being touched or voice in my ear kind of thing, most of that time it's been as a part of some kind of, because I've been involved in some kind of ceremony or some kind of intentional. Mm. That once when my my deceased biological father spoke to me in my ear, that was, that, but I was standing kind of thinking about life and thinking, so I've kind of gone into a semi-meditative state. My my energies had shifted to create a space for that to come come through mm. in realm. So it's interesting that it just happens. That would scare me if I was mm. someone went like that and there's no one there. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> exactly what I did. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh gosh. Fiona, as you may remember on the podcast, we have a divine tool of the week each episode to share with our listeners. Is there anything in particular that you love working with in ritual? We loved your beautiful matchbox by the magical Vanessa at Sunrose Studio last time. Well, I love, I still love that, and that's still on my altar. But I have another piece that um I had I got a little while ago, like actually nearly would be almost be a year and a half, two years ago now. I got this. Um, but I had it, I didn't have it on my altar. I actually had put it away somewhere 
And I was, because I don't have my Athamay, my mermaid handled Athamay, it's still over in America. Mm-hmm. And um, so this has been kind of substituting. I it out again really recently. So what it is, I'll hold it up if you can see it. It's a, a fork, um, but it's a trident fork and it's got a bone handle and this is silver. And I use it the same way I would use an athmate. So to create sacred space, to clear, to represent the element of, well, I go I go between fire and air with the athmate that um, everyone would have their way of doing things. But and it's also made Mother Crone because of the three, the three faces. Mm-hmm. And it's also very sea witchy because it's like <laughs> indeed. Yeah, can you see that in the in the in the thing in the bone yeah. head? And I got this at a um, I got it at a uh, a garage sale. Oh. Pieces, yeah. So and there was only one. So mm. um, this represents that to me. The way I would use an athamaya um to you know channel energy or even to um just representative you know just just laying on the altar Mm. and I have it on a some driftwood that washed up and I use that it's like my version of a of a pentacle being that it would have um you know bronze uh or or representing the element of earth well like this wood to me the element of earth in my in my uh on my altar so that's what's there at the moment Mm. Perfect. <laughs> I was wondering, uh, Shannon, did you get a sneaky screenshot of that when Fiona was holding it up? Not yet. We'll do that before we leave, leave you. Yes, Lovely. for sure. <laughs> Mental note, let's remember to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, Fiona, it's been a year since we had you on the podcast and also a year since you had the horrific incident with your precious Zari. I saw on Instagram you've been through a huge healing journey. Something I found really interesting, though, was how you were told that you've been marked as a witch. Can you tell us about this? Well, it was um, after, I think it might have been like maybe, I can't remember if it was weeks after or a month after. It's all a bit of a blur mm. around that that whole experience. Um, the... I received a, a message on Facebook from someone that I knew from the islands who'd studied um, Mayan healing and spiritual approaches, I guess, to life uh, or practices of life in South America. And she said, you know, the Mayans would take the those they considered witches to the top of the pyramid and cut off the end of their right finger to mark them as having special powers. So when that happened, when it was taken by the animal that it was attacking Zari, our beloved dingo. Um, now when I look at it, I just remember that, you know, and it's actually, it's really the weirdest thing about this is it's grown nearly a centimetre. Mm. It was taken point and the doctors wanted to take it off down to the second joint to close the wound and I begged them not to and they kind of, I had to do a lot of hand therapy to be able to get movement back in the finger because it was so, the skin was so taut and, took a while of getting it to, yeah, but now I can make a fist and hold my trident at the main. <laughs> mm, wow. But it's, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's what I was told. So I found, found that quite interesting. And at the time, what was going on that day, even around that time of my life, you know, I was working on the Teen Oracle deck. I was having some stuff going on in my life and feeling a bit 
uh, cut off from the magic of life. It felt like I was struggling a bit with quite a few things. And then this incredibly violent um, act happens and it was like a, it was very violent, like kind of rebirth um, because everything I knew ended in some in a way. I mean, could have been so much worse. I could have lost the ends of the other fingers. These finger pads were bitten to the point where they'd come off almost, especially mm. that one punctured and this finger was just gone. So imagine if all, I'd lost that much of my hand. As it was, I lost that much and it's grown back a centimetre. So it's like um, I, I contemplate now how lucky I am and also um, it made me just, I just had to kind of readdress a lot of things that were going on and how I was thinking about things and how I was living. Um, and then I developed like full-blown PTSD, which was actually like, you know, really intense physical symptoms, like really, really bad vertigo, really bad, like spinning, the room spinning, mm. annoying. Couldn't look at my hand if I if I couldn't change my dressings, if I, I accidentally mm. caught and therapist or the doctor was changing the dressings, I'd have a panic attack and pass out or just oh gosh. Sleep couldn't it was just the it just kept playing over in my mind over and over and over again. That dog jumping on Zari and taking her head in its mouth and me grabbing her and then just all of it, you know, it was just like Yeah. But I had a I was uh, given a or um told to see a clinical psychologist and um so I had a treatment with her. And uh, the EDMR therapy was the one that allowed me to get past the PTSD to the point where I'm no, I no longer have it. She's declared me I no longer suffer from it. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was an amazing thing to go through and now just to be able to calmly look at my hand and contemplate, mm. wow. But at the time, you know, my hands are everything. Mm. You know, as a writer, as a fire dancer, as a pilot, as a yoga instructor, I mean, everything, you know, even mm. just rip cord on your parachute, anything. Like mm. Your hand, being able to make a fist, you know, these things. It's just because if you lose your little finger, you can't make a fist. Like little yeah, wow. You have to make a closed fist, yeah. I'm very lucky I've got to keep as much of it as I did. Mm. What a journey, my gosh. Can I just return back to, was it EDMR that you said? What yeah. does that stand for? Yeah, EDMR is the therapy. It's a trauma therapy for chronic PTSD. Right. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, really recommend that people don't try to muscle it through on their own, get help. Uh, and I recommend the, this, the clinical psychologist over a psychiatrist because I didn't want to be given drugs. Um, yeah. I'm so, I didn't, you know. Yeah. Mm. Would, would alter that, that uh journey I'm on as a day at a time you know absolutely yeah. mm. do you have anything brewing that you would like to share with our podcast coven and how can everyone find you and see which and in saying that I will provide links in the show notes attached to this episode okay thank you well um well I've already given you the scoop that I've finished the teen oracle deck and that's oracle and it's um scheduled to come out next year um I've got to wait hear back from my publisher what she thinks but um but yeah that's gone in um so I would say that I uh, see which is doing some more recording we've already written some more music and funnily enough um the lyrics aren't as much derived from my book of spells and my book of shadows and various things it's um kind of different subject matter so that's going to be interesting um and uh what else um 
there's obviously the Sea Witch tours coming up, the shows coming up. And um, gosh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking um, they're like the main things. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that not enough? <laughs> for a few days with the dingo and David do nothing or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> go visit my friends there. But, you know, as far as things to share, definitely um, lots of cool sea witch stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, the album, all that oh, fun stuff, shows, as many as possible, try and get, um, we're not really trying to get overseas, but at least try and get to the east coast of australia and and travel especially now that we can you know that music's people are gathering together and wanting to go out i think more than ever um so we'd love to ride that wave and especially because i feel like well at this in this kind of way it's not going to go on forever so to speak it's like Mm. uh, i just really want to enjoy it what it is now share it with as many people as possible and have a good old time um one thing that will be happening that i should share because you will go to air is I'm super excited that I'm going to be appearing at Sisterhood Rising again, which is the amazing women's festival in uh, in what's south of Perth. Um, it's happening over the weekend of the 4th November to the 6th of November and I'm going to be there on the 6th um, offering a, a workshop for maidens and mamas like the, like the maiden, the mama or the crone and the maiden, but it's like a way of weaving together our, our sisterhood's journeys with magic and um, and ritual, so I'm offering that uh, as a part of that amazing um, event that's now in its tenth year. Sisterhood Rising, S I S T A, Hood H W O D Rising, and um, there's all stuff about it on my socials and that, and uh, or you can just Google it, Sisterhood Rising. Oh, awesome! Sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Looking forward to that. I just realised you'll go to air and that's still happening, and it's kind yeah. of like and get day passes. And there's still some tickets left, just a few. Last year it sold out um, by now, but there's a few tickets left. I know that as time as we speak. Okay. Well, maybe not after this episode. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Fiona. It's been an abs- absolute honour and delight to have you on the podcast again. And, yeah, we just wish you all the best with your tour and the album. Grateful for your girls' support and um, for creating such a great podcast that brings us all together in swag. It's just really wonderful. So thank you. Mm, it's it's just awesome fun getting to do these episodes and connecting with people like yourself. And we will be looking at those tour dates and locations if you're anywhere near us. <laughs> yes, we will be there. That'd be great. Let me know. Send me a message. Yep. We will for sure. <laughs> we will. <laughs> well, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. We know you will. And we'll see you next week. Hurt for me.